Hi everyone, here I am, humbled and broken, reluctantly stuffing my face with crow as the hot tears stream down my cheeks. Well, not exactly. That's just a bit of comedic exaggeration. Maybe not so comedic. But the mistakes have been piling up lately. I recently apologized for my repeated misuse of the word Sarah. I've been noticing some sloppy editing mistakes lately. Not sure how they've been getting by me, but they have. I'm probably just rushing things too much in an attempt to get new content out there. What else? Oh, I recently released that episode entitled Why I Don't Believe in God. I was actually pretty proud of it. It seemed virtually mistake-free. Then a light dawned on me after the fact, and I realized I used the word quote-unquote cortexes instead of cortices when talking about the evolution of the brain. There is no such word as cortexes. The plural form is cortices, just like the plural of vortex is vortices. I was right about the neocortex having two parts or components, though. The true isocortex and the pro-isocortex. Anyway... Now the biggie. So I covered three stories last week. Kirk Cameron's controversial statements about marriage, a story involving Scientology leader David Miscavige's father, uh, autocorrect says David Miscarriage, so let's just go with that, and a story from Patheos about how Iceland had supposedly declared Christianity a public health hazard. Well, guess what? The Iceland story was satirical, and I fell for it. So I pulled episode 188, deleted it from both YouTube and Podbean, the place where I host my uh, podcast feed. As I think I just mentioned recently, one of my biggest concerns doing this podcast is that I'm going to accidentally put bad information or erroneous facts out there, and seeing as this story wasn't even real, I thought a correction isn't gonna do it. This thing has to come down. And thanks to my friend the Mad Humanist for alerting me to the fact that something was awry. And in the fashion of some wise old mentor, he didn't come out and say what was wrong with the article or my interpretation of it. He just vaguely prodded me to reinvestigate or look deeper. So if you're not familiar, Patheos is a site that uh, quote-unquote hosts the discussion on faith, or I think that's how they put it. They have different channels for different faiths, and they also have one for atheism. I made sure to separate atheism there because we atheists know that atheism is not a faith. The atheist channel... Uh, is host to Hemant Mehta's Friendly Atheist blog. It's also host to a multitude of other atheist blogs, including one called Laughing in Disbelief. Wink, wink. I wasn't even aware that this satirical blog even existed, but I'm obviously painfully aware now. I had gone to the homepage of Patheos's Atheist channel, looking for interesting stories that I might be able to use on the show, and there on the homepage with a bunch of other articles is one entitled Iceland Declares Christianity a Public Health Hazard or something to that effect. I remember thinking, wow, that is a pretty wild story. But because it was from Patheos and I was unaware they had a satirical blog, it never even occurred to me that it might be a joke piece. Maybe I need to go back and take a Skepticism 101 course. But here's the part where I whine and vent a little and blame Patheos for my own stupid mistake. 
In fairness to me, although there were a couple of clues in the article that hinted it was satire, I remember smugly laughing at the fact that the church representative's name was Kennard. Uh, what a coincidence. Um, but in fairness, it was written in a kind of straight news or objective commentary style, so I don't think the intentional absurdity was necessarily as easy to pick up on um, as, say, with uh, an article from The Onion. Although, in fairness, people have fallen for Onion articles, too, including high-profile figures, members of the press, etc., to their public humiliation. I think another reason why I took the bait was because of Scandinavia's heavily secular reputation. I know technically Iceland isn't geographically part of Scandinavia, but it is a Nordic culture. Obviously, um, if it had said America, the UK, or even Eritrea or, or someplace had declared Christianity a health hazard, my BS detector would have been blaring. But maybe that's the point. The humor was supposed to be dry, even subtle at times. In fact, there were embedded links placed here and there throughout the article that, when clicked on, warned the reader that they were reading a satirical piece. But to my folly, I didn't follow them. Sometimes I click the embedded links while reading online news articles. Sometimes I don't. If the piece in question seems to be lacking, I follow the links in search of more detailed information. If a story seems informative enough on its own, I might not bother. But in retrospect, and I hope this isn't just sour grapes, I'm really not that crazy about the comedic stylings of uh, laughing and disbelief. I think I'd rather just read a straightforward news piece, and if I want atheist humor, I'll probably continue to watch a Psy 10 atheist cartoon or listen to Ricky Gervais, or of course the late great George Carlin. Well, I've learned my lesson, I hope. I guess the takeaway is always try to maintain and apply a healthy and vigilant skepticism. So now that I've taken the episode down, I'm trying to decide whether or not it's even worth trying to salvage the other two segments, the one about Kirk Cameron and marriage and the Scientology story. I could always release them separately as excerpts or something, or maybe I'll just do a Cliff Notes version now, a kind of super concise high-speed recap. And one caveat, when I say high speed, I mean high speed for me. As you guys know, I have kind of this lazy or laid-back personality. But here we go. Kirk Cameron says wives should obey their husbands. I say that's oppressive, archaic bullshit. Paraphrasing myself in a nutshell, there's that story. Then the Scientology story. So if you're not familiar, David Miscavige is the leader of the Church of Scientology. His official title is chairman of the board, old blue eyes, and kind of a scary dude or douche, scary douche. He supposedly has quite a temper. There's rumors and reports of him being verbally and possibly even physically abusive towards church members. And his father, Ron Miscavige, recently did an interview on ABC's 2020, and he claimed that not even he was spared from his son's temper. Ron was a member of the Church of Scientology, too, and he said that one time his son yelled at him for about an hour straight in front of other people at some music event where the father had performed. Eventually, during the conversation, Ron Miscavige openly admits that he got his family, including young David, into Scientology, and that he, Ron, had committed acts of domestic violence, which caused me, understandably, to lose some sympathy for him, and also led me to conjecture that maybe this abusive upbringing, I'm not sure whether David himself was abused or if he witnessed his mother being abused, but maybe this turbulent upbringing helps to explain the volatile and tyrannical behavior he exhibits as an adult. 
Not that all abused kids grow up to be miscavages, miscarriages, but such negative experiences might shape some people for the worse. There's me playing armchair psychologist. Let's see, I also rehashed my feelings about Scientology in general. I believe I said it's one of the few religions, maybe the only one that I actually despise through and through. I joked how even with Islam, which I often criticize, there's at least some superficial or peripheral things I like, the sacred music, the calligraphy, the poetry of Rumi, etc. But Scientology, even though I believe all religions are man-made, with this one, it's really painfully obvious. L. Ron Hubbard, the founder, was literally a science fiction author. I believe he sought church status for the organization for tax reasons. And I talked about how if you're going to make up a religion, at least make up a cool one. Scientology's cheesy as hell with goofy L. Ron Hubbard and his little captain's hat. Lord Xenu, the Sea Org, the auditing with the soup can looking cylinders, yada, yada, yada. Whew. Let's see, maybe <laughs> back to normal speed. Let's see, maybe while I'm at it, I'll quickly cover a couple of fresh news stories. And don't worry, I'll make sure that none of them come from the onion or laughing in disbelief. I wonder if I can block that page on my computer. Well, I was listening to the local news at work yesterday, and maybe I should say I was forced to listen to the local news at work. And this story from across the pond came up and caught my attention. It was about British police apparently catching some flack for the way they handled a terrorist drill. They had the person acting out the part of the terrorist yell Alu Akbar. And I guess some of the local Muslim population weren't too happy about it. I'll actually read a bit from The Guardian. Let's see, is this satirical? Kidding, I hope. It's dated April 11th. Alu Akbar cry at terror drill was scripted, police admit. Greater Manchester police say phrase was not introduced by person playing role of terrorist at Trafford Centre. Am I pronouncing that right? Trafford? I know how tricky British place names can be. So here's the story. Greater Manchester police have admitted that the use of the phrase Alu Akbar was a planned part of a terror training exercise at one of the UK's biggest shopping centres. Police were criticised for explicitly linking the drill at the Trafford Centre in Manchester to Islam when a fake suicide bomber shouted Alu Akbar before appearing to detonate a device. The phrase translates as God is greatest, um, or, or God is great, that's how I usually hear it translated, and is used in prayer by Muslims. On Tuesday, Gary Schoen, is it, apologized for the use of the phrase. On Wednesday, police said they had always planned to use the phrase in the operation, which took five months to organize, and that it was not introduced by the individual playing the part of the terrorist. More than 800 volunteers took part in the training exercise on Monday night, which was designed to be similar to the Paris and Brussels atrocities. Well, first off, I like that they characterize them as atrocities, no politically correct softening of language there. So I can empathize to some degree and understand why local Muslims might not want that phrase uttered during a training exercise. It probably feels shitty to be a Muslim and see your country or your local authorities depicting Muslims that way. So there's me trying to be Mr. Nice Guy. On the other hand, prepare for the proverbial dropping of the other shoe. 
Europe has been experiencing one terrorist attack after another, and if we're going to get real, not politically correct, but real, these have all been acts of Muslim extremism. Chances are, if you wake up tomorrow morning, turn on the news, and hear a major European city suffered a terrorist attack, you can probably bet dollars to donuts, don't think I ever used that phrase before, that it will be an act of Islamic terrorism or extremism. So ergo, it makes a certain amount of sense to have the actor playing the suicide bomber yell Alu Akbar, because chances are if a Brussels or Paris-style attack does happen in a major British city, that may very well be the cry that's uttered by the perpetrator or perpetrators. To play devil's advocate, did they need to leave that part in the drill? Could the drill still have functioned successfully? without the utterance of that one controversial line? Probably, but I don't think it's a grave offense. Sadly, it's a realistic scenario, and in my opinion, safety before political correctness. I mean, what else was he gonna yell? George likes spicy chicken, mazel tov, shop Barney's big and tall. Well, I think I lied. I'm not going to do another story. I'm going to um, end it right here. So you guys know the drill. You can like the Facebook page, follow the show on Twitter. And I think someone heeded my call last week, and I actually did get one new like on the Facebook page to make up for the one I lost. So whoever you are, um, thank you for placating my neurotic ego. Let's see, you can check out the YouTube channel. Maybe you're doing that now. If you want to support the show monetarily, you can go to Podbean and look for the PayPal widget at the bottom of the page. There's all that alliteration. Or you can go to Patreon. There's another P. Go to patreon.com slash theweekinddoubt. And for as little as 99 cents a month, you can help the show out and quit anytime you want. All right, later. Later.